0: This tells, this actually is relatable to so many people who either had the illness, uh, had loved ones have the illness, sadly, people who uh, had lost family members from it. Uh, and they need to understand that the suppression of the treatment of COVID 19 itself was a crime and it was orchestrated and it did impact so many lives.
1: Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey, everyone. It's Robin Openshaw, and welcome back to The Vibe Show. This is officially the latest I've ever done a podcast interview. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time, and I told Dr. McCullough a few days ago that my theory is he doesn't sleep. Uh, This isn't even his last interview today. So, welcome to the Vibe Show, Dr. Peter McCullough and your co author in your new book, John Leake.
0: Well, great. Thanks for having me, Robin. Let me just say uh, it was such a pleasure to work with you on the tour. I thought you were so much fun. And uh, I've never met somebody who's just, you are just 100% genuine. What you see is what you get, you don't pull any punches. And we had a great time when we brought truth to Florida. I was on the northern segment, and I wanted to ask you, how did it work for the second half of the tour?
1: The southern tour was great, and we missed you. And of course, everybody was disappointed that you weren't there. But everybody who was on the northern tour, which was a few thousand people, uh, got a recording of your talk in the in the north. So we just every. Everyone in Florida is still pinching ourselves that uh, four cities in Florida got to hear from you. So, so thankful. And, John, we might call you Snuffleupagus if your face doesn't show up, but we'll still be able to hear you if you never get your
2: face. Sadly for your viewers, you're going to about to see my face. Uh, We just got back from the most wonderful trip to to, uh, Utah. And I've scarcely unpacked my bags. Um, and, and and Robin, we were in your own sto- your old stopping grounds in Utah.
1: Oh, uh, I know. I've been and- hearing all about it from everybody who went. And same thing, they were so grateful. I hear about three hundred people came to what Mountain View High School.
0: Mountain View High School, and in fact, we were lucky to get on Grant Stenchfield Newsmax, and we bought a tripod at Office Max and basically set it up outside the high school. And, uh, and we commented that all health care is local and it's, uh, it's, it's all all healthcare is personal and it's administered locally. And there's no way the World Health Organization is ever going to have any jurisdiction over Orem, Utah or anywhere across the United States. And so we were trying to wake up America that in a few days, uh, we're starting a process towards abrogating. Uh, our health care to outside the country to a central authority.
1: Yes, I just built a one-click letter campaign. Everyone, I'll try to get this published right away because on Friday, my staff and I built a one-click letter campaign where you can click with one, with one little click. It's going to send to your House rep in, in Washington, your senator, but also the majority and minority leaders in both the Senate and the House and their staff and their staff. And it's a short little letter saying, do not allow public health policy in the United States to be to given to Tedros and the World Health Organization. So what we're talking about here today, because this is probably Peter's like 14th interview. I don't know how he does it. I don't understand how he's been on hundreds of media interviews and written 51 Co-authored 51 papers on COVID more than anyone alive on on the planet and treats patients, university professor at medical school. And now this is what blew me away. He has authored a book with John Leake called The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. So first of all, John, how did you get the uh, prestigious honor of being the co-author of this book?
2: Well, I contacted Peter McCullough and said, I want to write a book with you. And he, no, it wasn't that simple. Um, I live in Dallas. um, Early, I'm a true crime author. I've written a couple of true crime books. And kind of through research and writing about true crime, I, I kind of, you know, you get a feel for... I say it's it's getting a feel for um, when people are committing fraud when they're making fraudulent misrepresentation. So early when COVID SARS COVID two arrived in March, I was paying very close attention to public policy pronouncements, what the what the the NIH, the the NIH, the FDA, the FDA, the CDC, these federal government agencies, as well as our local um, emergency response authorities here in Dallas County were saying about this. And I just thought, you know, a lot of this just doesn't really seem plausible to me, a lot of the representations that are being made. So I began to perceive that we're we're looking at something like a mass fraudulent crime in the way this is being represented. And so I, I started researching and paying very close attention. And then I get into it and I realize If I'm really going to investigate this as a true crime author, I'm going to need to um, enlist the help um, of uh, a top medical authority. So I began casting around looking for one. And, um, you know, it was a funny coincidence because I thought, okay, I, I, I need to. Meet a medical authority who's really ranking, who's really up there, who has a lot of experience, preferably a lot of academic and clinical experience. Where am I going to find this guy? Come to find out, he lives two miles from my home. Um, So I saw Dr. McCullough, a video that he released on Halloween Day 2020, and I thought, that's my guy. So I contacted him. We did a studio interview together, which was immediately censored by YouTube. And shortly thereafter, we, we decided to, to write a book together. And we agreed that, um, unlike some of these other marvelous books that have come out, um, Robert F. Kennedy's book, um, uh, Dr. Peter Bragan's book, they're very encyclopedic works of scholarship. But we decided we wanted to tell this yeah, as a story, as a narrative, um, with a narrative arc, kind of re recreating what Doctor McCullough and his colleagues experienced. Um, so, I it's a I say it falls within the genre of narrative nonfiction, true crime.
1: Well, of course, we wish we all wish that the crime never happened, but the crime is ongoing, and I consider it. Um, a public service to buy Bobby Kennedy's book by the by the case and get it out there to everyone, because I believe that it, eventually our public health officials will say that this vaccine, vaccine got rid of the virus, just like they have done with other viruses that the vaccine did not actually eliminate. They brought it in at the very end and uh, but really, the va- the vaccine has clearly made a mess of things. Dr. McCullough, can you c- encapsulate for us what is the crime here? How how do you give us the not the cliff notes of the book? Because I hope all of you will buy a bunch of them. And the reason I it a public service that I'm going to give it as gifts is because we have to have what really happened in as many people's homes as possible because they are going to try to rewrite history and they're gra- going to try to tell our children, our grandchildren. A fictional story about what really happened here the last two years. So tell us, uh, not the cliff's notes of the books, because everybody should go buy the books, Um, as many as you can, and make them everybody's Christmas and birthday gift. But summarize the book for us or or tease it for us. Well, let me just
0: um, further kind of lay the land, because I have read the other books. And I agree with you, Robin, everybody should be reading these contemporary books. There's not that many of them and each have a different focus. Actually, starting with the book by Pam Popper uh, and Diane Andrews, they have two similar books about how the White House and the operations got organized. They're important books. And then the Peter Bregan book, which basically outlines how did everything fall in place in the lab in Wuhan, China. So that book is needed to understand The Gates Foundation and Rockefeller and Gavi and CEPI and EcoHealth Alliance and World Health Organization and the Level Four Biosecurity Lab, BioMeru, Pfizer, Moderna. I mean, the the Bregan book is very much needed. The um, Bobby Kennedy book is needed specifically to zero in on the role of Anthony Fauci. Our book basically tells the narrative that so many doctors like myself and so many patients like you and, and others listening, what we went through. From the very beginning, what was happening when we started to treat patients, when our family members got sick, and including my dad, and it goes through the, the critical narrative, what happened to me, why the White House was calling me uh, in the middle of a work day, how things happened with the historic U.S. Senate testimony, what was going on in France at the time with Didier Riault uh, and, uh, and leaders all over the world, Pierre Corey, Paul Merrick, so many of these people you've now met, Harvey Risch. Uh, The tension in the U.S. Senate testimony, the defamation that occurred later on, the media uh, and their role, a complicit role in trying to block our message to America that COVID-19 was treatable and and how in the end we prevailed, uh, how many lives we really did uh, save. And and sadly, there's even a a chapter on a, a wonderful lady who passed away in the hospital. We got to know her daughter very well. A true story. And what happened in her taking the case all the way through the court system? Uh, it is, uh, in a way, uh, uh, this is the only book out there that's re- written by a previously proven best-selling author. That is John Leake, and it is, uh, you know, it's a it's a page turner. People are already putting the re- reviews on Amazon are phenomenal. Uh, it's selling all over the world right now through Amazon. Uh, we uh, had a great. Uh, splash, uh, you know, out in Utah, but we finished today at the collective. The collective is a wonderful uh, group of entrepreneurs, and uh, you know, they just went ahead and bought bought the books, just like you would do, Robert. Just a public service. They bought the books for the attendees. It's a wonderful takeaway. And then we got on stage uh, after I made a, a presentation and and tackled questions. And so many of the entrepreneurs; these are some some heavy hitting business people as well. They really want to hear the perspective.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Bobby Kennedy's book is so dense and it's so referenced and I could only read a few pages at a a time and then I had to set it down because I was so angry that I had to metabolize my anger and I was just so struck by how this had been going on for decades, the corruption, the capture of our public health agencies. Were you aware of any of that before March of 2020?
0: You know, I was uh, like many doctors. I was blindsided, but John can pick up on this. He really has uh, I think, tapped into what Bobby Kenny and others have tapped into is that is it is a uh, a deep, deep crime and and well planned.
1: You, know, you know you 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 did the um interview with Tucker Carlson so long ago. It might have been the first time that I had seen you. And I actually went back and watched it again to count how many times he asked you, why? Why did they do this? And I bet you, I've heard you mention that, that interview several times when I've done events with you. And I wonder, how would you answer it now? Because he, he asked you five times and you find that you finally your quest, your answer was that's for the investigative journalist's. To figure out, what's your answer to that question now?
0: You know, in many ways, it's still the same. And, you know, Joe Rogan asked me the same thing. And, and I kind of chuckled on this. Think about the naivete of the question. Here we are, I have Robin and John, probably the crime of the century going on. And only Dr. McCullough knows why. I mean, of course, I don't know. I, I mean, what's going on is is horrific. Uh, you know, I've been so focused at the issues at hand. But John can pick up on this because there. I think there are some threads that are really worth talking about, particularly the planning of this.
2: Tell us,
1: John. Well,
2: so I one of the reasons why I was as attuned to this as as I was, I mean, uh, you know people say well how come some people picked up on this and others were more trusting of the, you know our public health authorities and our, our and our mainstream media and i i i call it an interpretive framework you know you walk around you've had certain experiences you've done certain research or had an experience just on the world as a true crime author years ago i got interested in the opioid epidemic and I actually submitted a, a book proposal to my literary agent years ago, and he told me, "Well, somebody's beat you to the punch on this, um, so stay tuned." And shortly after that, this article appeared in the New Yorker by um, a. Um, I can't believe that his name is suddenly slipping me. Anyway, it was a beautifully written piece in the New Yorker about the Sackler family and Purdue Pharma and and. Um, Oxycontin. And I read that piece in the New Yorker with great interest because the question I had going all the way back to like 2013 was how did this molecule, this substance, which by the very lab that invented it in Germany back in the 20s, The chemists that invented this molecule in the 20s, they they thought it would maybe have antidepressant, analgesic qualities that could be therapeutically useful. They recognized back then that this thing is going to get people hooked. So the very lab that invented the molecule set it aside and and said this would be a very bad thing for society. We we can't sell this stuff. So you get the, the Sackler family of New York that kind of rediscovers this molecule. And they say, this is really potent stuff. How do we get it broadly accepted? How do we get the medical profession, the regulatory agencies, the FDA, hospitals? I mean, you name it. And they wage this massive propaganda campaign involving regulatory capture of the FDA, It is a beautifully told story. Now, the irony of this is that this piece that came out in 2017, it was the seed of a book that was published in 2021 called Empire of Pain is the title of the the book. And Empire of Pain was released three weeks before Dr. McCullough's Tucker Carlson interview to enormous accolades. And all of these reviewers for, you know, major media pundits, reviewers for the big newspapers, they're all talking about how, isn't it astonishing that Purdue Pharma was able to corrupt the regulatory agencies and the medical system and Medicare and, you know, the whole apparatus? Isn't it amazing that that this corruption could happen? But no one raised the question you know, gee whiz, could this apply to what's happening in public health in the pharmaceutical industry and the regulatory agencies right now? I mean, in other words, maybe what Dr. McCullough is talking about is not really so far off base when you consider what's happened with OxyContin. So that was kind of a long way of saying that I was familiar that this kind of thing could happen. And really, there's nothing new under the sun here. What's astonishing about it is is the, the global quality of it and, and the vigor with which this program has been imposed.
1: Yeah, speaking of the opioid epidemic, I just read that we've lost 107,000 people in the last year to opioids, which is historic. It's yeah. a, a huge spike. And I think a lot, a lot of those people's deaths, most of them are young people, are children have to be laid at the feet of the, the Fauci regime who have done this to the whole world with no, no thought for, for the economy and the opportunities that our children have and the way they feel in school. I mean, I had two college juniors drop out because they didn't want to go to school and not be able to hear the teacher and sit in a plastic cube and wear, wear a mask. It just just felt like it went from college to, to a dystopia. So Where is there a place we can buy the book that doesn't support Amazon?
2: I was afraid you were going to ask that (laughs) question. Um, So here's what I can say about Amazon. This is, as you know, this is so topical. Dr. McCullough is getting invitations to speak about this right now. We knew this WHO thing was coming right down, um, you know, headed our way. We wanted to get this out fast. And we really made an effort to get the story right, to get our facts straight. But we didn't want to dither around waiting for a conventional publisher and their lawyers and and their whole apparatus. We wanted to get it out fast. So say what you will about Amazon. Say what you want about Amazon. They are efficient. They enabled us to bring our book out quickly. Which is what, which is why we're here talking to you. Which is why we have this opportunity to speak about the WHO on Newsmax the other night. Speed, um, uh, you know, time is of the essence. Um, so, but, but
0: Robin, I would say though that John and I did have a business meeting actually out in Salt Lake about a different distribution channel, and uh, we will. We're working on that. We recognize uh, the concerns, uh, but right now Amazon uh, is the individual purchase. Uh, arena. Uh, We are going to many of the health freedom events and just, uh, you know, bringing like we did today, uh, you know, bringing a a lot of the books and we'll sign them and really want them to get in the hands of people. And it's going to happen all over the world. Uh, This tells uh, this actually is relatable to so many people who either had the illness, uh, had loved ones have the illness, sadly, people who uh, had lost family members from it. Uh, and they need to understand that the suppression of the treatment of covid-19 itself was a crime and it was orchestrated and it did impact so many lives
1: i saw a video clip today of bill gates saying that to be completely safe we all need to be getting a booster shot at least every 6 months ongoing and he literally said this in a in a interview with anderson cooper where they both admit they've gotten three jobs and still got COVID. With no irony, no hint of irony in this statement. Um, Is Bill Gates play, does he play a major role in your sort of like a novel crime, true crime thriller, John? What
2: what do you think?
1: (laughs) I bet he is.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, people say, what is the motive for suppressing early treatment? And I don't think it's difficult to to make a very logical deduction on that. Early treatment was suppressed. The assertion was made. The categorical assertion was made. There is no treatment for SARS-CoV-2. The only thing we can do, and Bill Gates himself wrote this on on his own blog in April of 2020. He wrote it in an op-ed for The Washington Post, I believe on I want to say March the 31st, 2020, the only thing that we can do, we will only be able to go back to normal when every man, woman, and child on earth has gotten vaccinated. So he says this explicitly, follow your local public health authorities, stay home, stay safe. And rest assured that a vaccine is on the way. So you're always combining. These assertions are always made in conjunction with each other. There's there's no treatment. Stay home. Wait for the vaccine. So I I think that it's it's an example of a kind of obsessive monomaniacal focus on one solution to a complex problem. And Bill Gates is is definitely the foremost representative of this assertion. I mean, he's still doing it today with Anderson Cooper, who's nodding along in good journalistic fashion, not asking any critical questions whatsoever. It's just amazing that this continues to go on. Anyway, don't get me wound up. But, all but Robin, it's going on all over, and we see it in
0: our friends and family members. One, two, three, four shots, and they get COVID-19.
1: But thank goodness Thank goodness they got it, because yeah, otherwise and they, it would have been worse.
0: And right, and they thank the vaccines. They say, thank goodness I've had the vaccine. And if I hadn't had the vaccine, something could be worse. Actually, one of the most ridiculous memes is someone takes a vaccine and uh, they end up dying. And they say, thank goodness I took the vaccine. It could have been worse. But yet the person has died. I mean, there's no limit to the absurdity.
1: Yes, my. I don't know about you guys, but my humor is getting darker and darker because it's hard for me not to laugh at that. And then I'm like, "What am I laughing at?" Well, yeah, we, final final we
2: comment. We, I'm sorry. We yeah we. It it is funny how this public health disaster, the way it's been managed, it really has divided us into two different tribes. It really has. I mean, I mean, I I, I find more and more. There's this almost unbridgeable gap in our society now where um you know it, it, it it's it's um i've never seen such a a in peacetime you know there's none of this emotional pressure cooker of war it is a peacetime we have this viral illness this respiratory illness that comes and it, and it just it's like the public has been their minds have been taken possession of, and it's it's been so divisive. Early treatment, what Doctor McCullough and his colleagues were advocating, really could have been a way of diffusing this, but it was suppressed.
1: It still it still is. Yeah, I don't know which one of you wants to take this question, but let's let's end with this. Strange question I want to ask you. I feel like because of the exact dynamic that you're talking about, John, we're in these two camps. And those of us who were very upset about everything that we've seen happen in the last two years and were awake, aw- became awakened at some point. For me, it was February of 2020 when I was saying, Hey, everyone, how are you not seeing this? We're being lied to. Like everything they're saying is a lie. <laughs> and everybody was like, Shut up and Just go home for two weeks, two weeks to flatten the curve. Robin, why is this difficult? And uh, I feel like we've gotten into our two little camps. How either one of you who wants this question, because it's not an easy one. We're in our little echo chamber. We don't hang out with those other people anymore. How do we have the conversation and take your book to somebody in the other camp? What do we say to them? What is the conversation that needs to happen? Because we cannot just let this book stay in our little echo chamber, which is some large minority of the people, maybe even a majority.
0: But we ideas? have to. We, what we have to do, I think, is bridge the gap with relatability. We have to be able to relate to one another. And I think that's what the book does uh, so well. I think when people pick up and read the book, they are going to see themselves, or their family members, or their doctors, or they're certainly going to see a lot of the the characters that they see on TV because that's who you know I interacted with over the last two years, and certainly if they've ever seen me and they 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 think they could relate to me or or know who I am, uh, I think I think the answer is going to be relatability. But I'm
2: I'm interested to see what John says. Well, I I believe that. Humans understand things through through storytelling. I mean, wh- you can present people with a, a massive blast of, of of data and information, but if it's not encapsulated in a narrative with characters in which events are unfolding over time, we we don't we we don't follow very well. So we have really endeavored to tell this as a story. SARS-CoV-2 arrives. You you see. Doctor McCullough going into his clinic, talking with colleagues, trying to figure this thing out. Um, I I tell it in a way, structure the narrative dispassionately, without sarcasm or, or editorial commentary. I try and make everyone in it very human and 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 relatable. So I I agree that people will, I believe, identify and root for the characters in the way that you do with, with any with any good story.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to put a link down below everyone watching this, whether you're watching as a video or you're listening on uh, i guess you're not listening on um, Spotify anymore since I've been banned on that platform. Uh, iTunes, wherever most of our listens or listens, not views. Uh, I will put a link down below so that you can pick up this book. We're going to all just um, to support you all. We'll buy it on Amazon. I'll change the link as soon as they get that figured out and have a different place. We can buy it. The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. What a great title. Good luck to, to both of you in getting a million copies or more out there like like Bobby Kennedy did, which I think is just absolutely fantastic, and I will do my part. And thank you so much for what you do.
0: Thanks, thank Rob. you. You're, you're the best. Thanks for having me.